Hey everyone, welcome to the Chukukapi podcast with Akash and Harish. The aim of the podcast is to serve as a platform to bring awareness about aspects of food that are overlooked and to bring a new perspective to what we consume on a daily basis. Our mission is to delineate the research surrounding food and the science behind it, package it in an accessible form to everyone, one bite at a time. If you want to know more about the recipes and research that we talk about in each episode, head over to akashmurlidharan.com. So today's episode is on a special ingredient that was surprisingly not given to us that much growing up. Probably because it is a very potent ingredient with numerous benefits, especially one major benefit which is an increase in sexual function. Uh, the ingredient is ashwagandha. I mean, the increase in sexual function was probably why it wasn't given to us much growing up. I mean, there is obviously more to ashwagandha and we'll try to explore it in the next 20 minutes. Because there's a lot to explore about ashwagandha, but uh, I'll have to disagree with the fact that you said that we, it was not given to us much growing up. Because either all of us or most of us have been given ashwagandha in an indirect form. Right. And I think you can guess the condiment I, you're uh, referring I to. I think I can know. <laughs> Chavan prash. Yeah, I think exactly. Chavan prash was something common uh, to all of our childhood and it brings back a lot of memories. Um, I still remember my grandma trying to force me, force feed uh, chowan prash in the mornings and I used to make like every effort to avoid, you know, having it. Yeah, <laughs> to our listeners who don't know what chowan prash is, it's basically a sort of herbal preparation that has like, I think more than 12 ingredients uh, with honey and that is given to kids in the morning. It, it is used for a plethora of it plethora of benefits basically like and it like, actually has a lot of ingredients like yeah. almost a uh, hundred but uh, the base ingredients like you said uh, probably 12, 12, 12 yeah. 13 and it is used for indigestion cold I mean basically for almost everything <laughs> but I on the other hand love Shavan Prash I mean I still have it sometimes it's absolutely delicious but it's loaded with sugar though but now I think there is a non-sugar version for the diabetics Wow, I just never liked even the version that was loaded with sugar, so imagine the non-sugar version. Anyways, uh, coming back to Ashwagandha, uh, you know, let me do the honors of introducing the herb to our listeners. Uh, Vitania somnifera or known commonly as Ashwagandha or Indian ginseng, poison gooseberry or winter cherry, there's like a numerous uh, names, uh, you know, to this plant. Uh, it belongs to the Solanaceae or the nightshade family. Ooh, nightshade. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a lot of uh, berries also which belong to this family. Well, uh, many are poisonous, I believe. Yeah, a lot of them are poisonous and you have to be careful, you know, choosing them. Uh, so, Ashwagandha literally means the smell of horse uh, and it's from Sanskrit. Uh, the words Ashwa means horse and Gandha means smell. I mean, what a unique name, yeah. right? <laughs> Smell of a horse. But uh, I think the belief that, uh, you know, Ashwagandha can give you the strength of a horse uh, sort of comes from its name, um, or I would like to think so of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe let's start our discussion on Ashwagandha by commenting on this belief. Right. Uh, I mean, beliefs are beliefs. I don't know how verifiable that belief is, though. Uh, it does have research pertaining to reduction in fatigue. Okay. Uh, especially noted with swimmers and they even tried an experiment with rats it, it is it definitely helps with reduction in fatigue but okay. i think it is very famously known as an adaptogen and as a supplement that helps with your sexual function um yes i mean i have heard that too uh, that ashwagandha helps with sexual function but 
what what is an adopt adaptogen like the big word alert just yeah. came in yeah <laughs> uh we'll not get into details of what an adaptogen basically means but uh, to put it simply it is something that helps you deal with physical and mental stress yeah that explains yeah but uh, before you discuss how ashwagandha can help with uh, sexual function um can you like explain what stress itself is i mean uh, we hear this word thrown around so much and uh, it's also told that avoidance of stress can pretty much prevent the onset of uh, many uh, diseases mm-hmm. but what is the definition is stress inherently bad yeah those are very important questions that we need to address uh, and that, i think that should begin with the definition of what stress is and okay. like you said we constantly associate stress as something bad or something that should be avoided for our well being but uh, is that wrong i mean uh, i'm i'm under the belief that stress is bad yeah i mean yes and no it is a misunderstanding actually uh, an acute stress response could actually be good for you the surge in glucocorticoids or cortisol which is the okay. stress hormone okay. immediately prepares your body for any type of adversity okay because according to your body you're probably standing in front of a tiger ready to fight or run therefore there is an increase in heart rate increase in glucose because your muscles are getting ready to uh, take in the glucose even your immune system gets ready to fight off pathogens your body as a whole gets ready it's basically the fight and the flight response uh, sometimes it even kicks in when when you're giving a presentation the, the inherent need to speak or you're nervous before speaking or when okay, somebody cuts okay. you off uh so the stress response seeks an a relief i mean this is the acute stress response which is good our cortisol is responsible for even it surges in the morning to get us going it wakes us up but yeah okay. i'm i'm sure there's going to be a huge but involved at this point i can yeah. see it coming and i think like you mentioned you're also all like stressed right now that i interrupted you when you wanted to continue like, i will go on yes of course <laughs> uh, there there definitely is a huge but uh so when acute stress crosses over to the realm of chronic stress that is where things go downhill okay now we mostly get stressed sitting in front of computers or when there is some adversity in life that does not generally involve standing in front of a tiger <laughs> i don't know if you are standing in front of a tiger i don't know why uh so when you constantly trigger the stress response your heart rate increases but you have no relief your glucose levels increase but your muscles are not utilizing them do you see the pattern where things can go wrong yeah. go wrong yeah yeah so when your stress becomes chronic as in long term then your physical and mental well-being takes a huge toll you become a perfect candidate for many diseases like hypertension diabetes cardiovascular diseases etc chronic stress um, even shrinks the size of your hippocampus which is the memory center of your brain so people who are stressed constantly complain of you know lack of like uh, my memory power is not great because they are probably under chronic stress okay so to give you an analogy let me take an example of a car so you have first gear which produces the highest torque because it needs to move you from a static position and that is pretty much the purpose of first gear yes now if you keep revving without changing gears you are inevitably going to damage the car because the car can't constantly run on first gear with high torque okay so for people and also uh, i'm giving a very simple explanation here uh, <laughs> for people who want to know more about the stress response and its effects um, robert sapolsky is the person you need to check out um he's a neuroscientist he's a behavioral scientist at stanford university and i highly recommend his book called behave which covers all of this and much more 
Okay, I'm, all of that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but we started off the discussion with the popular belief that ashwagandha can help with your sexual function. And then we started talking about stress. Can you help us uh, link these two? Uh, how do they relate? And can you elaborate more? I'm sure, you know, there's a very strong relation. There is definitely a relation. Uh, before we dive into that, there have been a lot of studies, like you mentioned, regarding sexual function, based on the hypothesis that ashwagandha can improve sperm motility, sperm count, etc., even testosterone. But the effects have been very minor. Okay. So no increase in testosterone has been noted after consuming ashwagandha, contrary to popular belief. Um, the only way uh, organically to in improve testosterone levels in your body is to do strength training. Um, and there has also been a few studies which had recorded notable improvements in subjects with respect to sexual function, mm -hmm. but more research and evidence is needed in that area. And uh, I feel that any improvement in sexual function can just be attributed to uh, the stress reduction properties of ashwagandha. Okay. Now that you know stress-related erectile dysfunction has become so common, a reduction in stress, either through supplements such as ashwagandha, breath work, or mindful meditation, can all improve sexual function. So it's not or ashwagandha organically improving something; it could just be a byproduct of okay. reduction of stress. Okay. So as a just ashwagandha reduces stress and possibly all the side effects of stress, of which reduction of sexual function is one of the side effects Correct. of stress. Yeah. Okay. But I'm sure sexual function is not the only ailment that's the result of chronic stress, right? Definitely. I mean, like I said before, stress plays a role in, in many diseases, chronic stress, I mean. So it's not the only comorbidity of stress, which is, you know, reduction in sexual function. We obviously have um, metabolic diseases such as diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, hypertension. So a reduction in stress levels can improve your overall health. Okay. And ashwagandha indirectly helps with other side effects, you know, comorbidities that are associated with stress. But uh, did you also find other benefits of ashwagandha apart from its role in stress reduction? Yeah, definitely I did. Well, well the studies with substantial evidence as far as I could find was only for cortisol, basically stress reduction. But there was one related to TSH or mm -hmm. thyroid stimulating hormone uh, where they noticed a reduction in TSH, okay. which is a good thing for people with subclinical hypothyroidism. Okay. But they also noted an increase in T3 and T4 serum levels. So people with you know subclinical hypothyroidism consult your physician before taking ashwagandha. Again, I would like to reiterate the research and the findings are not personal medical advice. And whatever we talk about medically are in no way a substitute for an actual consultation with your physician. Um, I just gave this primer so that I can explain the next part. There was one more finding. Ashwagandha also seems to help with knee pain, okay. uh, swelling and stiffness. But again, more research is needed in that space. Um, if you want to know more about how it affects your overall body and if people who are interested in in-depth research um, for doctors if they're listening to this podcast, I highly recommend you to check out examine.com. They do a fantastic job of compiling all this information because not everyone can go through and comb through all the studies that are published in journals. This is like a one-stop shop for all of that research. And I think we have been discussing about the medical benefits for way too much time. <laughs> uh, I'll pass the baton over to you to explain more about the culinary aspects of ashwagandha. So how do you use ashwagandha and where? 
because you told me to taste the ashwagandha powder and it honestly tasted like sawdust with basically no flavor <laughs> so i don't know how you're going to include that in making something tasty i mean i explain about this uh, a little later but uh, i'll start off with uh, you know like basically explaining what ashwagandha is ashwagandha is uh, a small evergreen shrub mm-hmm. uh, that grows in india parts of africa middle east and probably many other places in the world but um it's the root of this plant that we have been uh, referring to so far when we talk about the benefits you know that it can offer right and it might be a challenge uh, procuring the roots of the plant itself but the powdered form of the dried roots is very commonly available okay you can find them in even supermarkets uh, oh. in these days that sell ashwagandha yeah powder. it's become very popular now yeah and that's what i had asked you to try earlier as well right but again where do we use it like i said earlier it does not really have any flavor apart from <laughs> the slightly bitter after taste that it leaves in your mouth <laughs> that could probably be because uh, you had only a pinch of it and i don't think that's a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> but honestly yes it does not have a strong flavor as much as the other flavoring agents but it's quite heavily pungent when you take it in substantial quantities okay. like when you take it in the mouth you can actually feel yeah. your nostrils kind mm-hmm. of you know flaring and uh, in the, at this point i would like to say that there's a popular belief that herbs can be divided into two types mm-hmm. uh, you know culinary and medicinal right uh, culinary herbs are apparently the ones that add flavor to your food and the medicinal herbs are the ones that add nutritional or medicinal values to it but personally i don't believe in this concept okay i think that any herb or even a condiment that you add to your dish adds both flavor and nutrients to it except the scale you know may vary mm-hmm. as in in some herbs the medicinal values the benefits are more substantial than the flavor itself that it brings to your food and vice versa right in case of ashwagandha the medicinal values definitely supersede the flavor profile okay but that doesn't justify us leaving ashwagandha out of our kitchens but uh, maybe at this point it will be good if you explain the dosage like i don't think we have spoken about this mm. until now yeah that was interesting yeah it definitely makes a strong case to deserve a place in the kitchen if not for its flavor at least for its medical benefits yeah now like you said i did not explain the dosage and coming to the amount that you can take depends on the use case okay. so general recommendations is somewhere about 500 to 600 mg we currently don't know whether taking more than this is beneficial it's per day uh it, that depends again people okay. might might can use it for um uh weekly ones or on to days i think we'll explain that later okay uh but don't go around taking 2 mg or 3 mg expecting four times the benefit benefits or five times the benefits because that is not yet established so okay. so they've just observed good uh, results with 500 to 600 ng okay. and i think we should stick with this and i personally don't think it should be consumed daily Okay. maybe you can start out weekly once or alternative days that too in low quantities mm-hmm. definitely after consulting your family physician we also have studies saying that 50 mg to 100 mg can per day i mean mm-hmm. can reduce stress mediated immune suppression so like if you're chronically stressed uh, then your immune system takes a toll so it there's a suppress uh, there's a reduction in your immunity so taking 50 mg to 100 mg every day can sort of compensate for that stress mediated immune suppression <laughs> so i think you can suggest recipes based on this dosage okay 
Of course, yes. Uh, but you know, in such small quantities, uh, ashwagandha may not significantly alter the flavor profile of the dish. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it's easy in this case for us to forget that such a condiment exists in the kitchen when you uh, take only in such small quantities yeah. and it doesn't really change the prof- uh, flavor so much. Mm. Uh, because unlike turmeric or uh, asafoetida, which when added even in small quantities can make a huge difference to the flavor. Mm-hmm. But if flavor is what you are primarily looking for, there are a number of herbs and spices that go well with ashwagandha like turmeric, cinnamon or cumin that can give you the flavor that you need along with the added benefits of mixed ashwagandha along with it. Mm-hmm. Since uh, the regular usage of ashwagandha can be very beneficial, let's start off with recipes that we tend to use regularly. Right. In ashwagandha's case, mixing the herb in small quantities with certain daily use ingredients can be beneficial so that we do not miss out on adding it to our diet. Okay. For example, you can mix it with turmeric and keep it aside for your daily dose of turmeric milk in the night to reduce your stress levels and sleep peacefully. Mm-hmm. You could also mix it with some cardamom and cinnamon powder that you use for your everyday tea. Because tea, again, is something that you go to when you are quite stressed. Yeah. It, it's kind of a beverage that, you know, uh, all of us seem to go to when we feel stressed. Definitely. Chai sutta, but chai without the sutta, that defeats the purpose. <laughs> yeah, but here ashwagandha can definitely help you achieve that purpose. Exactly. It can help you like bring down the uh, stress level to an extent. So you could even mix it with ghee uh, because we don't use ghee in large quantities in our daily meals. Probably a, a few teaspoons, uh, you know, uh, that's the amount that you usually use on a daily basis. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Mm. So what this can do is this can help you keep the amount of ashwagandha we eat in check and also make sure that you you know have it in your diet. But uh, except when you make sweets, uh, you know, with the ghee, please keep in check the amount that you're adding to it. Um, and then you could also mix it in appropriate quantities with cocoa powder if you bake regularly. Uh, if you're someone who loves baking or making chocolates, you can add it to your cocoa powder. And some ashwagandha with butter or almond butter and you know the list can keep going on i can like keep telling you places where you can add it to you know keep keep the amount of ashwagandha in check mm-hmm. but at the same time make sure that it, it's a part of your diet yeah and i personally prefer having ashwagandha along with sweet dishes because uh, it probably can help mask the bitter aftertaste that it can leave yeah and uh, also the stress associated with some, eating something sweet and then degrading. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, but again, it also has a very earthy, pungent flavor which goes well with, yeah. the, uh, with the sweets. But uh, you could also mix it with savory dishes. Nothing like stops you from trying it out. Like we have always said, this is another good point for you to experiment and figure out places where ashwagandha can be, become a great addition. I like the turmeric milk idea. It, it's nice. Um, ashwagandha goes well with concumin also for stress reduction benefits as per research. Oh, okay. And I would like to add this. I think it was eye-opening for both you and I after doing research on ashwagandha. These herbs are very potent and have effects on your whole body. Mm-hmm. They might interact with any medications that you're on and can affect any underlying condition as well because okay. um, I just came across a research saying that 
taking ashwagandha can reduce the total cholesterol it might be beneficial for some but for some to- people want total cholesterol in a, in a particular range mm-hmm. so reduction of it is not a great thing for you so please before you take any of these supplements kindly do your research talk to your physician there are many people out there trying to sell a cure all for many diseases with no scientific evidence <laughs> don't put your body in harm's way by consuming substances that you have no idea how your body will react to take supplements only if your primary care physician gives you the green light and try to incorporate these herbs preferably from natural sources unless and otherwise your physician tells you to take it in the form of capsules and with that said i think we tried our best in laying out the medical evidence behind ashwagandha and a few ways in which you can incorporate it in your daily life without thinking too much i would like to add on to such an important statement that you just made uh, it is very important for us to emphasize this point uh, adding on to it it's not just the capsules or the herbs that we are discussing about that you need to be conscious about right every ingredient that you intake affects your body in some way right Right. so avoiding an ingredient because of out of fear mm. on what it might do to your body or overeating an ingredient for its taste may not be the ideal solution to you know seek beneficial effects of food whether it's the flavor you are looking for or the medicinal value in this case actually for yeah Where overeating is not a good thing yeah even though it is very helpful like <laughs> <laughs> and you were explaining overrating sugar for its taste may not be again again yeah a good point so what you have to do is each human body is quite unique and you will have to be conscious about how your food and your body interact and you know keep uh, like be more conscious about it be more aware of how your body is reacting to these foods and you know be in touch with your doctor to understand it better and keep including these herbs yeah all of this i think can lead to a healthier life and to primarily understand how your body and uh, the the things that you eat interact yeah that 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 plays a key role in your both physical and mental well-being and i think that's it uh thanks <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode we'll meet you in the next episode till then bye bye take care